Hare Krishna. Any question? From anybody here? Or? Yes, yes, here. <laughs> huh? I got some questions. Oh. And the first one is asking about spiritual love. Can any love based on self-sacrifice be called spiritual love? Can it be found between two living beings, or it is just in the relationship with the Lord? In Chaitanya Charitamrita, it says, Atmendriya Preeti Itchadari Bolikam Krishnendriya Preeti Itchadari Premanam Atma Atmendriya here means for one's own um, pleasure, egocentric. That comes under the heading of calm. Let's say elsewhere, calm, andatama, prem, nirmala, bhaskar. Calm is dense darkness, prem, in Guru Maharaj's words, dense light, prem, nirmala, like pure sunshine. So, Srila Guru Maharaj once said, when I used to preach, because I mean, in his younger days of the Gaudiamat, traveling around and preaching, he had this expression that I believe is coined by him, what he called extended selfishness. And by that, we have some general understanding of what selfishness is. And interestingly, Ayn Rand, who is very popular in the Western world in America, it's a manufactured name. Actually, she's a lady from Petersburg. It's a hardcore materialistic philosopher. But she's very influential in modern-day American political thinking, particularly people... Well, let's not brand it too much. Anyway, but and she has a famous book. I'm not going to give her any free publicity by giving out the title or anything. Anyway, people know. But what an atheist, one of the leading atheists of the 20th century, uh, Christopher Hitchens. They asked him what he thought about her book and its conclusions, because in her book or what her basic philosophy is, is that you shouldn't do anything unless it's purely self-interest. You shouldn't do anything for anybody at any time unless you're going to benefit from that. She's saying, that's how you should calculate everything. I mean, she's promoting this as a philosophical ideal. So she's saying, you don't owe anything to anyone, and... If you do decide to do something for someone, it should be based upon perceived self-interest. So, the person I mentioned, Christopher Hitchens, arguably one of the most famous atheists of the and, and interesting, eloquent uh, advocates of atheism, 
He said, do we really need a book to teach us to be more selfish than we already are? Like, it was too much for him. <laughs> so, Guru Maharaj introduced this concept of extended selfishness. It means, so beyond myself, you know, my family, my community, my, you know, province, my country, uh, you know, my continent, my planet. So he called it extended selfishness. It appears to be noble. So when you mention this between two people in this world, the clearest parallel there is, if this world's a perverted reflection of the original, the clearest parallel in terms of self-sacrifice at the basis of love should be self-sacrifice, uh, not self-gratification uh, through consumption, but rather self-sacrifice, dedication. The clearest parallel we have is a mother's love for a child. And we'll choose to emphasize the, the, the female parent here, the mother, that this comes about as close as you can to offering, sacrificing yourself, including your body, to your child selflessly, and especially in their early stages, without any expectation of reward for, for doing that, just you know, self-giving, atmani vedanam, self-sacrifice. Otherwise, again, Srila Guru Maharaj will point out you know, that like criminals, they have some code of ethics and some idea about sacrifice for their group, protecting their group, what they're willing to do to enable their group to continue its activities. You can find these things in, in, in so many different places. So, if we return to the concept that sincerity uh, means in relation to the truth, appreciation for the truth, then self-sacrifice will also have to have some connection with the truth. And by that, we don't mean relative truth. We mean the absolute truth. Gurumar spoke of the Kamrup Bhaktas, at which he renders as the suicide squad. Those devotees who are willing to sacrifice everything for Krishna's pleasure and satisfaction. You know, uh, personified in the self-sacrifice of Srimati Radharani and Brajagopis. But someone could casually, carelessly examine these things and say, well, what about in the modern world? We have the suicide bomber. Right? Aren't they? They're making the ultimate sacrifice for a cause, for their family, their community, uh, even their Lord. And how would one respond to that? 
Well, we would, you know, uh, consult Bhagavad Gita, find, what is it? Yo yo, tanum sradhai architam ihate, tanum No, that's it. Anyway, there's different types of sradha are described in the maybe 17th chapter of Bhagavad Gita. So it's mentioned there, there's also religion and the mode of ignorance. So, not to go into that too much right now, but, well, just in a nutshell to say, what is it uh, typified as? Or uh, charity in the mode of ignorance. Giving uh, the wrong thing to the wrong person at the wrong time for the wrong reason. It's not noble. Uh, it's enabling uh, devolution, if you will. So, if there are parallels like that for you know giving in charity, religious performance, re- the, uh, re- uh, theistic concepts, then when it comes to love, the same thing can be applied. And what is the version of charitamritam? Thing. What is egocentric, even if it be extended selfishness, is calm, which is undatama. It's dense darkness. It's ignorance. It's not, it should not be really glorified with the word love. And we know particularly uh, in the age in which we live, uh, Kali Yuga, relatively early stages of Kali Yuga, where you have, I don't even know what the latest statistics are on divorce, but they're, they're, it's running above 50%. You know, as time goes on, that percentage becomes higher and higher and higher, and it, uh, it's almost factored in, like in, in the the legal language of the American um, uh, marriage contract, they have something called prenuptial, a prenuptial agreement. Thank you. Prenuptial agreement saying, if this, you know, we're gonna, I love you forever, for better, for worse, eternally, you know, and all of that, you know. But if it doesn't work out, <laughs> here's how we'll divide everything. You'll get this much, I'll get that much, you know. Prenuptial agreement. And I'm not saying it's wrong, wrong, right, wrong, good, bad, or ugly. It's just part of living in the modern world, the prenuptial agreement. Whereas Gurumar has mentioned previously, and this is perhaps difficult for modern people to digest, just, you know, uh, uh, what do you say? Take the, the PC aspect of things and just like keep it in your pocket or put it on yourself for a while. What do you say? Previously in India, I, 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 maybe I should go like, once upon a time, because then people will say, oh, okay. Once upon a time in India, ancient India, the in marriage, the woman didn't have any rights as we 
understand them conventionally in, in modern society or developed countries. They'll say, oh, that was a, a very bad time. You know, we were very ignorant. We've, those were the dark ages we moved. That's another thing. Just try and think about things in a new way. Uh, even if it's the past. Try and understand the example. He's giving an example here. So she was offered in marriage to another family. But, so in this sense we're saying she's being sacrificed, offered. And what is the end result of this? Is that she, who apparently on one level has no rights, she controls everything. All the family members, the properties, the wealth. She's controlling everything. The person who had no rights. Why? Because at the basis of this, why are those children obedient to the mother? One of the, the greatest scientists of India, as we know, there are many, uh, he was always being invited to go to England for conventions, academic conventions. You know, they wanted him to deliver lectures or interact with other um, scientists, doctors, academicians, etc. But he would never go. And the reason he wouldn't go is because he couldn't get his mother's permission. <laughs> Think about it. He's a grown man. Maybe he's 50. He's saying like, I can't go. Why? My mom doesn't want me to go. <laughs> like, and, and, and he's not going, I, I really want to go, but not like anything. My mother doesn't, you know, hasn't given her permission, so I just I accept that. Right? She's controlling everything. So... Oh, and so the obedience is not compulsory. It's not written into law. It's not in a law book where you can go to a lawyer and say, oh, see right here, it clearly says that the son or daughter up to this age has to obey the parents. He is 50, let's say, or in his 50s. No, what compels him to obey the mother is love. And this is the difference between Krishna conception and other conceptions. Other theistic systems where people are worried about things like the, the, the God figure is someone who may say things like, you know, obey me lest I smite thee from the face of the earth. So the obedience is compulsory, otherwise, or, or one is intimidated into being obedient, uh, fearing uh, punishment for non-compliance. That's not Krishna conception. Bhajaniya sarvashad guna vishishta, Krishna conception proper, Jiva Goswami says, is uh, in consideration 
or being absorbed in Krishna's beauty, charm, sweetness, the irresistible, inconceivable beauty, charm, and sweetness of Krishna, one feels compelled to offer themselves in service to him. Not to try and enjoy him or consume him as the neophyte is prone to do. The neophyte approach to Krishna consciousness is taking oneself as a subject and seeing different aspects of Krishna consciousness as potentially, uh, you know, pleasure-giving. So we hear the plight of neophyte, that when, when the novelty wears off, they're, they're not getting happiness from certain things that they thought previously were a source of joy to them. But it's rather the inverse, through service, that is their happiness. And in the month of Kartik, we're hearing the Asliśyavā parvatam panastumam adarshanam marmahatam karotu vā yatātatā-bhāvadadātu-lampato matprāna-natastu-sareva-napara Śrīmāti Rādhārāṇī expressing volcanic eruption from her heart, some extreme, it's the eighth verse of the Shikshastakam. How is it represented in Chaitanya Charitamritam? He's saying, if Krishna wants someone other than me, then I will go fall at the feet of that person and beg them and take them to Krishna. And that will be my happiness. She can say that. And we believe it. And her extension, her extended self in the form of her friends and assistants. This is the plane that they live in. Uh, Not self-promotion, pratishta, but always kripayam yat paraduka dukhi. Their only happiness is seeing people suffering for want of Krishna consciousness. And we think, no, people are looking for someone to love. That's true. But they, when, if anyone, when they, if you interview them, about who they're looking to love, uh, you know, on a theoretical level, or matchmaker.com, or some such kind of thing. They put ideal criteria. They'll be like this, and look like that, and, you know, talk like this, walk like that, and put all these different things down. So, I mean, I think it's, it's very sweet in one sense that people are like that. Or they look at images of someone and they think, oh, maybe they're this kind of person or that kind of person. I mean, now, in the days of the internet, you know, people are saying, why do people put pictures that, you know, when you meet them in person, they don't look like that? <laughs> you know? And, and all the kind of things that go on, right? 
But in summary, we could say what people submit is ideal search criteria. And another way of saying that is they're searching for the ideal. And we can understand that the ideal, another way of describing the ideal, the ideal to the extreme is, can only be represented by the absolute, the absolute person, or what Saraswati Thakur like to call it, the absolute personality of Godhead. So, if they're searching for the ideal, itaratas cha, the indirectly or direct, they're searching for Sri Krishna. Reality the beautiful. So, they may not think of it that way. We may not even think of it that way at times. But really, that's what is at play. So, the word love is, uh, needs to be defined. When we were, uh, Mahayogi Mars knows us, when we were preparing uh, Golden Volcano of Divine Love, um, Guru Mars would riff on these concepts in different ways. And one of the things he would say is, you know, go, what he said, golden volcano, divine lava. Is lava love? <laughs> he would say that. And he kept saying that, golden volcano, divine lava. Is lava love? And uh, so I thought, I've got to find out. He keeps asking me if there's any connection between the word lava and love. Uh, so this is before the internet, long, long ago in another universe when there was no internet. <laughs> People go, really? Wow. The last century, a century ago. And, and there were libraries with books. Actually, you know, in Shenzhen, there's that giant library where we got Anuradha, she came, anyway. Um, and uh, remember, it was the, what is it called? OED, the Oxford English Dictionary. You know, like A is one volume this big, like that. And, you, and they give you a magnifying glass when you buy the set, this little rectangular, and because the type is very small, and it's two columns. So you're like, open the book, and you get out the magnifying and you're like, that's how you read the book. Right? So A is like, you know, B. You know, you can understand the English word, like A is a big one, but, you know, some are a little smaller, but then L. So I'm in there, you know, San Jose State University, got, and I get to love. And it's like, starts on one side, goes down the, you know, like, I'm going, I'm, and that comes from this and comes from that. And then I'm like, 
Where does it all come from? And at the end it says, from the Sanskrit, lob, L-O-B-H-A, lobha, and which can sound like lob, right? Depending on how you pronounce it. But anyway, and what is lob? We say kama lobha dayasche. Prabhupada liked this sloka a lot in the first candle of Bhagavatam. Is that tada rajas tamo bhava kama lobha dayasche cheta etayanadvidham satve sthitam satve prasidati. So lobha in Sanskrit means like longing, wanting, desire. It's, I mean, it's passion, passionate longing and want, it's mundane. When we speak of love, and, and this is something, there's only prem, prem, which means love in this context. There's only Krishna prem. There's not prem for other things. Right? You can't use the word prem with others. There's Krishna Prem. And Prem means for Krishna, really. So, and why? If we're going to say this is based upon sacrifice, self-sacrifice, and offering oneself to another, which should be the basis of love, not meeting someone who we'd like to consume for our enjoyment, or enlist as a servitor. <laughs> I always say, like, dogs are looking for a master, cats are looking for a servant. That's, my, that's not in a book anywhere, it's just me. <laughs> you know? But it appears to be that way. <laughs> but anyway, so... But you could say the dog wants to be looking for a master for their own benefit, too. They know they will benefit having a master. But this point of offer, really what we should be redirected toward is whom we shall offer ourselves to. Now, we can say we may meet some very demanding people in this world, male or female. But there could be a certain point where a thoughtful person might think the level of um, let me say, adherence or obedience or compliance that this person requires, that's reserved for like Guru and Krishna. Right? So if Krishna and Karshna, this ideal search criteria really should point us in the direction of the absolute personality of Godhead, who alone is worth offering ourselves to, sacrificing ourselves to. We undergo so much inconvenience in this world in terms of mundane relationships or 
relationships, loving relationships, relationships. We're reminded of the words of Gorka Shordas Babaji Maharaj who said that sometimes, we can say a husband, it wouldn't have to only be a husband, it could be a wife too, tolerating so much uh, demands and insult from the family, abuse, day after day, year after year, decade after decade, but staying and being beautiful and continuing on. He said, but within the association of devotees, one devotee says one wrong thing to you, and we're ready, we're leaving, we're ready to go, we can't tell, it's intolerable. <laughs> and to add to that, that you could leave that situation and enter another situation where you're in an endless cycle of abuse, from your loved ones. So, as Srila Prabhupada said once, with regard to the trouble people were taking to do yoga or different things, and that's okay. He said, but why not, if, 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 if we concede that we do have to inconvenience ourselves and struggle and engage in a certain amount of self-sacrifice just to improve or just to survive, and then why not do it for something that's of permanent and lasting value? What does it say in the Gita? Neha bhikramanashosti pratyavayonavidite svalpam apyasya dharmasya trayate mahato bayat. A little bit of Krishna consciousness goes a long way. Narada saying the same thing to Vyas. So, does this mean that, you know, you're not going to have you know, love and affection for your partner, your child, your brother. No, it doesn't mean that. But those things, they are not to be confused with Krishna Prem, right? spiritual love. Because if we even accept a simple analysis that what is a, a jiva soul, but there's the uh, atma covered by the sukshma, linga, the sukshma shurya, subtle body of intellect, ego, intelligence, and mind. And that's housed in a gross body. Buried under those layers is that person. We don't even know ourselves properly what to speak of our friends and loved ones. So to whom is this love directed? And they say, well, you know, whoever you are, I know you're in there. (laughs) But we don't know who we are. We don't know the real, you know, Jive Swarupai Krishna Nityadas. 
We know temporary identities, but permanent identity, we are, at least devotees, aspiring devotees, know theoretically. That's why we have, we can, we have some appreciation for our God brothers and God sisters. And you, you, know, you can call it love and affection. Prem is a very singular word. But love and affection, we, that's all right. But we know, I mean, Americans will say they love pizza, right? I love my new phone. Is that love? <laughs> you know, that's, but it's come to mean that. It's come to be synonymous with, you know, I'm, I'm getting a buzz from consumption and calling it love. That can't be. We have to set our sights higher. Right? So, and, you know, the long and short of it, if we look at Krishna's own example, and um, where does it appear? Chaitanya Bhagavat, perhaps, when Nimai Pandit manifests Varaha Bhav, takes the position of Varaha Dev in the house of Murari Gupta, says some disparaging words about Prakashananda, Prakashananda Saraswati, that by his Mayavadi philosophy, he's um, dismembering the personality of Godhead. He has no eyes, no ears, no face, no this, no. It's very abusive and insulting. But at one point he also mentions Narak Asura, who is considered to be the offspring of the earth and Varahadev, or the Lord's son. And, and, and he killed him. <laughs> Showing that he's impartial, that he's partial to the devotees and impartial. Well, I mean, this is the opposite of like Bhakta Vatsala. <laughs> he's saying, but like, he offended devotees. What did, what did he do? His own son. It's almost biblical. And the Bhakti Vinod Virahadasakam, there's the one line. Or in, it's in one of the, no, it's maybe in the Saraswati Thakur appreciating, but saying, yes, on the departure of Saraswati Thakur, the line saying, You revealed to us that family life is a colossal hoax. So the so-called love of this world really is self-interest, extend, uh, selfishness, extended selfishness. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't be polite <laughs> with family members and tell your mom you love her. <laughs> but there was a cartoon in the New Yorker magazine, the, 
this couple, they've been married for like 30, 40 years, and the man's reading the newspaper, and his wife has asked him a question, and, and the caption is him answering your question, and it says, what do you mean by love? All right, I'll try. What it means is his, her question was, you know, like, George, do you love me? So they've been married so long, he, without, he goes, what do you mean by love? <laughs> Describe it in a way that I can agree. <laughs> if you're talking about to that time when we first met and romantic love, well, I guess it's not like that anymore, is it? That's what it means, the colossal hoax. All this hoaxing, saying this, that, and the other thing. There's no real lasting substance there. So be nice to everybody, love everybody, but das kori beton mori deho premadan. Try to serve and go towards the Krishna. We want Krishna prem plain. That's where our Guru Varga lives. That's where Radha. That's where they are in the premic world. Gurudev gave that name, Bhakti Premik Siddhanti Maharaj. That's what we're interested in. Because, in, in other words, it's a thing like, geez, we're, we're so negative. Or, you know, actually not. We're just saying, what generally goes by the name of love in this world? No thanks. They're not giving up on love or Rather, staying focused on it. It's got to be more than that. Than what's going on in this world. In the name, it has to be more than that. Don't degrade it to this type of familial, bodily uh, connection. Prabhupada would sometimes just spell it out, the naked truth. He's saying, uh, there are so many women in this world same thing, right? So many men in this world, he goes, but because I have bodily connection with one, she is my wife. This person. It could be anybody. We now know that. It could be anybody. People say, I'm looking for my soulmate. That's, it could be anybody. Because all you're doing is projecting your criteria upon another person to begin with. And generally when that is revealed in time to not be true, then we head towards uh, disagreement and dissolution. That's why in Asia, India particularly, China too, they had that system. The family, they arranged, they arranged marriages and there was no divorce. Because once you have a way out, People are going to find out where that is, <laughs> the exit sign, <laughs> and run to that. So it has to be something where it's like, no, I'm sorry. What's the penalty? Death. You know, like, it has to be something like that. That's the only way you can keep people together. Threat. They have to be threatened 
But this will change. Someone will watch this lecture and freak out. <laughs> All I can say is, we used to be heavier than this. <laughs> this is us softened up after 30, 40 years. Yes. Might discuss some details of what you said, uh, like I maybe read, yeah I written uh, uh, maybe from Schopenhauer that in the case of Romeo and Julieta it was not just sexual attraction because in the case of who Romeo and Julieta oh Romeo and Juliet it was not 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 just uh, ordinary sexual attraction yeah. because they prefer to die yeah and Schopenhauer wrote that if they uh, would follow social order. Yeah. They will become predators of his feelings, etc. They would become predators? Predators, yeah. I didn't... Uh, predators of? Predators, okay. Of his feelings, of feelings. This, this love, yeah. Uh -huh. And sometimes we use these examples, like yeah. Nightingale and the Rose, etc. Yeah. So is it something applicable in this... Yeah, well, we could, if we take yeah. that, then we'll say... Like, and, and throw a little Hegel in, die to live. So, and this, now you're approaching, and remember, Romeo and Juliet are archetypal figures in literature. Right? So, you will hear Radharani and Brajagopis, but also Nanda Maharaj, and they will say, I, if I had any real love for Krishna, how could I tolerate his separation? I would have to die. So that I'm alive proves that I don't have real love. That's a higher standard. So those, uh, Romeo and Juliet, and, and there's some others in literature and some legends of where uh, Guru Maharaj even mentioned Jonestown. Do you remember that? Have you heard of that? The cult group in, uh, where is it, Latin America, Guiana, right? where they, uh, I mean, it's a horrible thing that happened, but they all like committed, they committed a collective suicide. But Guru is, you know, just talking about it theoretically, once he said, they thought, we can't live in the world, this world without our faith, and you know, that kind. He like tried to silver lining it, silver line it, you could say, but to reduce it to a principle. So, that's repeatedly described by the higher devotees, that if one, in fact, has Krishna Prem, like, na prema gandasti durapi mehro, krandami sobhagya baram prakashitam, bhangshi I forget the rest. But anyway, saying that separation is impossible. One would have to die. And since separation has apparently been achieved and one still lives, that means that they don't qualify. So the good, their qualification in that story is they're willing to die for love, right? to sacrifice themselves for their love for one another. That's why it's such a compelling story. And everyone knows, kind of in their romantic heart of hearts, that anything less than that is not 
real to that degree. People would like to uh, say that. It's become a, um, what's the word? Not metaphor, but you know, the people, huh? Well, yeah, but there's another word. You know, what people will, a cliche that, I would die for you, you know, I will love you after the stars stop shining, you know, all, because, I, and we can say, oh, those are love songs, they're silly, they're sentimental, but I think that there's a truth they're pointing out there, is that's what we want. And we can say, yeah, in the objective world, that's not realistic. So you're told, you know, uh, start settling for something less than your ideal criteria for a mate or whatever. I get all of that. Not even necessarily arguing against that. What I'm arguing in favor of is that ideal love that still, you know, resonates in the hearts. When people hear the, the Romeo Juliet love story or other love stories, these ideal love stories, where someone's willing to sacrifice everything for the beloved, that touches a very deep region of the heart that is real, not sentimental, unrealistic, idealistic, and, to, uh, and naive, but that's real. That's the point. But, when, but trying to address that in terms of the objective world, we don't find... The Romeos don't find a Julia, and the Julia, you know, the inverse. Like I used to say sometimes in Russia, that Russia, that the Romeo turns out to be Rasputin, and Juliet turns out to be Madame Broshkina. <laughs> you know, so, but just because. Uh, there are these, you know, uh, semblances or what's the word? The, for the artificial thing that's not the real thing. What's the word? You know, th th that these figures could, that are, the, that are not the real, that, that, People who do not personify the archetype, it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. That is my point. And that's at the basis of the theistic pursuit. Most people think it has to do with people, and for the most part it does, people trying to, they're afraid of the future, whether they express it in terms of impending karmic reactions or otherwise. There's a lot of fear involved in compliance and religious performance and so many things. That, that is not Krishna consciousness ever. <clears throat> but rather out of affection. And that's a very sweet thing. And how can you propose that you know, a tiny, finite soul can actually have genuine affection for the supreme entity? Yeah, it sounds ridiculous or impossible, but that's the Krishna Conscious Project. It's such a wonderful thing. And a, that a drop of that will be sufficient to carry you deeper 
and, and to the ultimate goal. Right? So Rupa Goswami says in the beginning, Kleshagni Subhada Moksha Laguta Krit Sudurlabha Sandrananda Visheshatma Sri Krishna Karshini Chasa. Inconceivably beautiful, irresistible, all attractive Krishna is irresistibly drawn in attraction to the love and affection and the heart of a finite being. That's a wonderful prospect. And who is he? What is he? In Martilila, Payakam, Smayoga, Mayabalam, Darsataya, Grihitam, Vishmapanam, Swasha, Chasobhagarde, Paramparam, Bhushana, Bhushanangam. Bhushana, Bhushana, the ornament's ornament is Krishna. So at some point, all these things merge. Really, as in Vedanti tat tatvaviras tatvam yajjnanam advayam, advayagyan. Really, it's all going toward one thing. And what is the nature of that one thing? Reality, the beautiful, the absolute personality of Godhead, who's capable of pratyanga lagika pratyanga more. Able to reciprocate every atom of every soul's hankering. The Absolute cannot be any less than that. When uh, Narada visits Dwaraka at the point where there are 16,108 different palaces, there's one Krishna who's present in all of those places. That's what he finds astonishing. See, there's the idea of Krishna can expand, a yogi can expand in somewhat eight times. Some others more, who is it, Sobari Rishi, there's like, there's some different levels. But what he's pointing out, he's not seen that Krishna has expanded himself so many times. He's seen that one Krishna is interacting simultaneously in 16,108 different palaces with 16,108 queens. That's what he finds astonishing. There's one Krishna at the Rasa dance. But everyone, he, he said, well, how does he do that? <laughs> how can he not do it? What, what are we thinking of when we think of divinity or the infinite and start 
um, trying to force fit him within the context of some mental or intellectual projection, the parameters of mental and intellectual projection. By doing that, we're just stunting our own conceptual ontological growth. Let Krishna reveal himself as he does, amnaya prahatattvam. And the Srimad Bhagavatam, Chaitanya Charitamritam, and elsewhere. And through the great Acharya's commentaries. Krishna sent Uddhava to Vrindavan to observe the self sacrificing nature of Radharani and the Brajagopis. And what does that tell us? I mean, many things, but that how high is Dwaraka? With, you know, Rukmini, Satyabhama, Lakshman, and all these great Dwaraka queens. But there's something in Vrindavan that exceeds that. that far exceeds that. The Bhagavatam uses more than a few times this expression, Rudha Bhav, which Vishwanath renders as Maha Bhav. He wanted him to see this. An inconceivable level of divine, of Krishna Prem, seventh level of Krishna Prem. How these girls personified that to the extreme. And in particular, Srimati Radharani, as expressed in Brahmar Gita. That's what brought Uddhava to his knees. Bande Nanda Brajastrinam Padarenum Abhikshnasa Yasam Harikato Gitam Punati Bhuvanatrayam. Actually, he was begging he was for them to put their lotus feet on his head. They would never do that. This one says, Uddhava says, not in a million years would they do that. So he changed. <laughs> like he said, that's not going to happen. So, the Asamaho If I, if I become a blade of grass or a creeper in the soil of Vrindavan, then, when they're, then I'll get some of the dust from their lotus feet. This is Uddhava who Krishna says is as good as me, better than me. Not Uddhava. That's why he's selected to make these, to make these observations and the subsequent pronouncements. And Uddhava, one who brings you know, ecstasy and joy to everyone, including us, by what he's done and what he's revealed, the target, the goal. And Mahaprabhu's pastimes, Parmananda Puri, 